Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. The elements are a metaphor, a simple organizational system to help us understand business and ourselves as business owners. And they are the components of nature, the roots of magic, and the building blocks of life. We all have some aspects of life and business where we thrive and others that are more challenging. By looking at these things elementally, we remove shame and judgment and can discern which elements would help us bring ourselves into balance. Earth, root chakra, Capricorn, Taurus, Virgo. Earth rules the parts of business that keep us safe and secure as we do our soul work. Sustainability, finances, contracts, systems, our core values, and clarity about exactly what our medicine is and how we fit into the ecosystem are governed by Earth element. Air, heart and third eye chakra, Gemini, Libra, Aquarius. Air rules our big vision, our ultimate picture of success. It's where we connect our medicine to a mission and decide what kind of impact we want to create during our time on this planet. Water. Sacral Chakra, Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. This is the realm of our emotions, and business is emotional. How we feel about people, ourselves, visibility, uncertainty, how we handle stress and disappointment, all of this and more affects how you navigate your business. Water Element is where we learn to resource ourselves and expand our capacity to hold the big feelings that come with doing our work in the world. Fire. Solar plexus chakra, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius. Fire is where we take our gifts, our uniqueness, and our creations, and we blaze them out into the world. All things selling, marketing, and the day-to-day actions of running our business are ruled by fire. Too much fire and we burn out. Not enough and our business never makes it off the ground. And spirit, crown chakra. Every good gardener knows the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Spirit rules the faith required to keep tending your business long before you've seen a single sprout of evidence that it's growing. No matter what you believe in, spirit element is what you travel through after you leap and before you land. Life thrives when all of the elements are in balance. So do you, and so will your business. To find out your dominant element, take our quiz at intuitiveedgecoaching.com quiz. Now let's get into today's episode. Friends, welcome to another episode of the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. Um, As always, if you're new to the pod, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And if you're returning, I appreciate you coming back. Today's episode It's really interesting. It's really cool. It's really fun. Uh, It features my guest, Shiraz Babu, who has a technique that he created called Energetic Magic. And to demonstrate the technique, he did a session with me. Uh, And so I'm going to let you listen in on this session and him like working with me to clear some energetic blocks that I had. And it was a really cool experience. So I hope you enjoy getting like to listen in on this experience. And if you're interested in having this type of experience for yourself, definitely make sure you visit the links in the show notes, check out Shiraz, and maybe you can do a session yourself. Before we get into today's episode, 
I want to invite you to Mush Week, a low-key review and planning retreat for physically lazy, mentally busy entrepreneurs. That's what I'm calling it. I consider the week between Christmas and New Year's to be Mush Week. You know, it's like a mushy time of year and nobody really knows what day it is and it's like kind of a holiday. It's sandwiched between two holidays. It's like not really long enough to get anything done, but it's also a lot of days and time all kinds of blends together and no one's really sure like what we should be doing and you probably don't have many appointments but you might feel like you should be doing some kind of work on your business. I love using this time of year as a goal setting retreat or you might also call this an annual planning retreat. So this is dedicated CEO time. It is a time to step out of focused on being focused on working on in the day-to-day of your business and instead to step fully into the role of CEO. I'm going to be leading you through an elemental framework checklist of reviewing everything that happened in 2023, getting a really clear picture of everything that occurred taking stock of exactly where you're at in your business right now, setting clear, defined goals for 2024, and creating the plans for how you're going to reach those goals. So by the time you're finished with Mush Week, you will enter 2024 feeling completely grounded and clear about what occurred last year, what you want to occur next year, and how you're going to get there. This is a game changer. It is so important for CEOs, uh, which you are even if you are a company of one, to take the time out to just work on your business instead of working in your business. And that's what you're going to be doing when you come to Mush Week. It is going to be very relaxed because it's still a holiday. It's going to be cozy. It's going to be fun. There's going to be lovely people and music and body doubling. And you will be guided through doing these higher level CEO review and planning activities that set you up for success. I do annual planning, quarterly planning, and monthly planning, which I highly recommend. And that's something we do inside the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven. But if you've never taken the time out to do an annual planning retreat, I cannot recommend it highly enough as a practice that you take on every year in your business. If you've done one before, but you know that if you weren't being guided through the process, it just wouldn't be as fun. Or you might just go into next year being like, oh, it's fine. I'll wing it. It'll all be okay. You will not have as good a result as if you go into the year with a clear plan for what you want to accomplish and a clear plan for how you're going to make that happen. So I really hope that you join us for Mush Week. It's December 26th, 27th, and 28th, all three days from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. PST. There will be replays available if you can't make it to all of the live calls, though I highly recommend you join us live. You're also going to get tons of planning support materials. So if you've never done this type of 
tracking in your business or planning for the future, you're going to learn how to do it. And you're also going to get some templates and support materials that help you be able to do this on your own in the future and get clear on what exactly should you be keeping track of and where should you keep track of it so that it's easy to return to and check in on as you grow. There's going to be prizes. There are going to be very big secret announcements made to attendees of Mush Week. It's going to be really fun. And it's only 77 bucks for the whole thing. So the link for that will be in the show notes. Again, that's December 26th, 27th, and 28th, and it's open to everyone. So I hope that you decide to join us for that. Uh, are those all my announcements? My last announcement is I still have some spaces available for 2024 one-on-one coaching with Best Year Yet. And I will also put a link for that in the show notes if you would like to discuss working together one-on-one in the year ahead. Um, those are all of my announcements. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. beautiful friends. I am so excited because today on the show, I am introducing you to Shiraz Babu. And he is a multi-award winning author, an international speaker, an expert in reality addiction, but not reality TV. (laughs) He has been helping people hit their success goals for the last decade. He coaches you on how to rise out of your current circumstances and most importantly, stay out. His book, How to Rewrite Reality, has changed lives across the globe. He is going to show you how your unconscious addictions are keeping you from making the connections you want, getting the opportunities you want, and ultimately making the money you want. Welcome. Thank you, sir. It's great to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. Okay, so I just laugh because I... Maybe it's not an addiction, but I do have a fondness for reality TV. So when I first read your bio and I read, he helps people with reality addiction, I was like, I think I I and some of my listeners probably need that. And then I was like, oh, you mean reality, not not housewives. (laughs) Yes, yes, I do. Although most people have a drama addiction, which is what causes you to watch shows like that. Mm. All right. So talk to me about reality addiction as a concept. Tell me more. So we get, we, a lot of people get taught, okay, you get into certain habits and patterns and that just runs your life, which is true. But there's also a biochemical addiction component. So when certain things happen, your body releases chemicals and you get a fix. And so you're, you, you don't realize that now you're looking constantly for that fix. And that addiction keeps you stuck where you are. For instance, It can start in something really simple, like let's say you have a really bad month and you just managed to pay your bills at the end of the month. Well, when you just managed to pay off your bills, your body gets flooded with adrenaline and dopamine. And there's a chance that your body goes, ooh, that felt really good. Let's do that again. So suddenly you're in this pattern of I'm just paying my bills every month. Now, consciously you're frustrated But every time you just manage to pay those bills, you get a hit. And so it continues month after month after month in an addictive cycle that you just think is circumstance. You don't realize you're unconsciously setting yourself up to do this. 
I love this so much. The example that I use when I've talked to people about this before is road rage. Because I think that's such a clear example, right? Like that it can start reactionary, I think, and tell me if, if I'm wrong. But the way that I've thought of this is that it can start as being reactionary and then you can become addicted to it, right? Because we're just like little chemistry sets. So if every morning you commute at eight o'clock and you get all hyped and yell and scream and get really frustrated, then at 8 a.m. your body starts looking for that stimulus, even if you don't think you like it. So then you're on vacation and you're not commuting and at 8 a.m. you like spill your coffee or get in a fight with your spouse because you need that feeling. Is that, that's the same idea? Exactly the same thing. This is so cool. And so how can people start to recognize what their unconscious addictions are? So any continuous pattern in your life is an addiction. So, and one, what most people don't realize is that any consistent problem you have is either an addiction to that problem or it's the solution to another problem you're not looking at. Right. For instance, I used to have intense rheumatoid arthritis. I got it when I was 22 years old and I suffered with it for years and I tried everything. I tried medication. I tried supplements and diet. I tried yoga, uh, meditation. Someone said magnets work. So I was trying that. Nothing changed. Like, well, sometimes it would change for a while and then it would just stop, stop working. Did you try getting stung by bees? To get rid of arthritis? I'm only asking because I know someone with rheumatoid arthritis and she puts her hands in jars of bees and gets stung by bees and she swears that that works. I'm like, humans are magnificent. Okay, that's interesting. There you go. Just thought I'd (laughs) So it was like, it was painful. I eventually learned to tolerate the pain. My pain tolerance is through the roof right now. And uh, it, it wasn't until my father recommended this program that was over in India that uh, everything changed for me because he talked about this program. He said, oh, they've had, they've helped people with arthritis and cancer and diabetes. And I'm like, what? Like the people usually specialize in something like we'll help you with your arthritis or your cancer. He's like, no, no, they cure everything. I'm like, why isn't this worldwide? He goes, because no one really believes that it works, but I've, like, I know the people that run it and they've had great results. So I fly over to India and I start working with this guy. And I thought because it's India, it's going to be some sort of Reiki energy healing, something like heal, Shiraz, heal. This guy sits me down and talks to me for two weeks. And it was like being with a psychiatrist. I'm wondering what the hell is going on. But he's not trying to solve any problems. He's just gathering all this information on my life. And then after about two weeks, he goes, well, Shiraz, here's the problem. You believe you're responsible for everyone in your life. I'm like, no, I don't. That's crazy. And he goes, yeah, I know you don't think that you do, but from everything you've told me, you've created this belief that you need to be responsible for everyone. And it started when you were about eight years old. And I'm like, okay, I know I'm a responsible guy. I don't think I'm responsible for everyone. But even if that's true, what the hell does that have to do with arthritis? And he said, oh, you don't want to be responsible for everyone. That's too much work. I'm like, yeah. And if you're lying in bed in pain, you don't have to be responsible for anyone. You don't have to feel guilty about it. If people see you're struggling to get through your day, they're not going to ask you to take care of them. The arthritis isn't the problem. It's the solution to the problem you're not looking at. <laughs> I'm like, that's messed up. 
He said, but that's what most chronic illnesses are, solutions to problems people don't realize they have. Right? So I thought about that and I said, okay, if what you're saying is true, then all I have to do is say, I'm not going to be responsible for anyone and the arthritis should just go away. And he looked at me and goes, yeah, if you actually believe it deep down. So I summoned my will and I said, you know what? I'm not going to be responsible for anyone but me. You know what happened in that moment? Tell me. Nothing. But when I woke up the next morning, there was no pain. There was no inflammation. I had more mobility. I could even breathe better. I could get more oxygen to my lungs. It felt free. And I'm freaking out because it's been 18 years. Mm. And one conversation and it's gone. That's insane. Right? But that's what it was. It was me. And it wasn't even that the responsibility. It was the choice that I should feel guilty if I can't take care of everyone. Because your mind tries to avoid emotional distress at all costs. And it will create physical circumstances, illness, busyness, poverty, whatever, to avoid emotional. It doesn't give a crap about the physical. It only cares about the emotional. And the three biggest things it tries to avoid are guilt, shame, and heartbreak. Yeah. So here I was choosing to be guilty. And I said, you know what? Let's not do it. Arthritis gone. Wow. The unconscious mind is so interesting. And I think that the more we tap into trying to understand the unconscious mind and what like the unconscious like programming directives of human beings are and how simple right? It's like, it's magical. It's super complex. It's miraculous. We don't even understand what's going on in there, but really like everyone's just walking around trying to like maximize winning and avoid losing and make things easy and get out of pain and like look good to other people. It's like the most simple subconscious programming that creates the most wild circumstances, behaviors, problems, situations, years of struggle, being in things of like, oh, I'm in all this talk therapy, trying to work myself through, why I self-sabotage, like all of these, I always say self-sabotage in quotes because I don't believe in it. But like, it always comes down to these very human, and I say that in the like, aren't we sweet? <laughs> like unconscious, like, oh, you're just trying to do something so sweet and so human and so simple, which is just like, don't feel guilty. Okay, yeah. we'll create this like really complex set of circumstances so that you're out of guilt. Cause it's wild. Humans are wild. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're programmed to avoid the bad. Mm -hmm. more than we are to go towards the good. They say, uh, they say it's a three to one ratio. Like you're three times more inclined to avoid bad than to go to good. So you're constantly looking for what could go wrong and trying to protect yourself from it. Right. And it's because, you know, back when we were like caveman stuff, if you saw something bad, you die. <laughs> like, like, so you're like, you're looking out. Okay, that's safe as you tiger. No, poisonous plant. No, now that doesn't really exist for us <laughs> in, in, you know, rural areas. And but the programming's still there. Right. You're having a saber-toothed tiger reaction to like opening your mail. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I say as someone who's very <laughs> avoidant to opening my mail. <laughs> <laughs> so what are 
What would you say are some of the most common unconscious addictions that you see when you're working with people? So there's, I mean, big thing is people are trying to be safe over anything else. I have seen people um, trying, feeling they're unworthy. So they're constantly in the state of trying to prove themselves. And proving yourself, it actually pushes people away. So it pushes away business, it pushes away people because you're trying to say, look how great I am. Because, but you're only doing it because you don't think you're great. Um, and avoidance of guilt is a huge thing. So how often do you hear someone, if you ask them to do something or for something, that they just say no and don't back it up with an explanation? Right? People that could just say no or just no, they don't want to do that. They actually are free because they're just like, I don't need an excuse. My no is a no. But we get programmed that you've got to come up with an excuse that will comfort everyone and make sure they're okay with it. And so what we do is we we do it proactively. You make yourself really, really busy. <laughs> and then people are like, Are you can you come out tonight? No, no, I'm too busy, man. And so now you don't have to feel guilty for giving them a no. Right. And the, the three big things we do is we make ourselves busy, we make ourselves broke, and we make ourselves sick. And you get addicted to that state because now it gets you out of guilt all the time. And you think, well, that's just the way my life is. But trust me, as someone that was stuck with guilt and arthritis for 18 years, no, no, you put that there proactively to keep yourself safe. How might this play out for people with money, especially for business owners? So when you can do your business without worrying what other people think of you, without worrying about guilt, your business expands. There's other programming that has been put into us that the general public tends to believe, like you have to work hard to succeed. Like it makes sense. If you're not working hard, how do you expect to succeed? But the actual belief you want is you have to be willing to work hard to succeed. I'm willing to work hard. And I just came back from a three-day event. We were doing 12, 14-hour days. I'm totally, totally willing to work hard to succeed. But I'm also willing to lay on a couch and eat chips and have money show up in my bank account. I'm totally willing for that too, right? So I had, excuse me. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Sorry. Um, you're into the woo, right? <laughs> so, I am into the woo. And our listeners okay. are into the woo. They'll take all the woo. Okay. So my body reacts to when people shift energetically and I tend to yawn and cough. So, and it doesn't, and it plays out, it doesn't have to be in real time. So people that are watching this now, so people are shifting mm. and my body's reacting to the people that are going to shift after the recording comes out. So it's, I did not expect that. That was kind of weird, um, but it's happened before. So, but this is it. Like, this is what we do to ourselves. And once you start realizing how many beliefs you have that are just lies, they were put in there for a good reason because you get someone that's lazy, they're not succeeding. It's like, no, you got to get up and get, get off your ass and work and then you'll succeed. But then you get locked in the wrong actual message. No, be willing to work. Because if you if your only possibility for you to have success is always working, you can't take a break. You can't go on vacation. You can't be sick. You can't spend time with family because you have to work hard to succeed. You, your brain doesn't put those little, oh, except when. It just has this constant story running through. That's the addiction. And while you may physically take a vacation, while you're on that vacation, 
you're now going into guilt at an unconscious level because you have to work hard to succeed and you're busy on vacation. So this is it. Once you start realizing this, you can start programming yourself in a different way. For me, whenever something goes wrong in business, if you're not getting enough clients, not getting enough money, it's not why is this happening to me and what do I have to do to change this? It's why do I want this to happen? And that leads you down the path to, oh, there's this belief. Let me clear that belief. And then it, it's crazy because you know how they say that Einstein said the definition, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Which apparently he didn't say. I hear all the time. I do. It's a That's why I said, quote, but said yes. <laughs> the misattributed Einstein quote. That's the one. So I have found with multiple clients that when you shift the belief then you can go do the same action and get a different result because the energy is more important than the action. And how do you shift a belief? So for me, I, the technique I use is called energetic, energetic magic. It's something I've created. And if you're vulnerable in front of your audience, we can do it. Oh but, yeah. No, they've, they've like, they've seen me cry. Like, I don't care. They, these okay. people, whatever. These just, okay. just another day of me crying on the internet. It's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm down. We can do it. Okay, cool. So how it works is we're going to have a conversation about something you'd like to shift in your life. Okay. When I talk to you, I can tell when your conscious beliefs match your unconscious beliefs. Okay. So whenever they don't, I'm just going to say, Sarah, that's not coming up as true. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you get this, but for the listeners, I'm not calling her a liar. I'm saying her subconscious has other ideas than her conscious mind. Once we find out that there is a discrepancy, we're going to look for the story that's causing that discrepancy. So it could be, you could be saying, I'd like to make more money. And, and I'm like, nope, you don't. And then we found out, we find out that, oh, you lost a lot of money one time and you're holding shame. And so your brain says, oh, if we make a lot of money, we might lose it and feel shame again. So let's just make sure we don't make a lot of money. Problem solved. I got you, girl. Right. So then we're going to, I'm going to say, Sarah, are you willing to step out of the story that you have to make sure you don't make lots of money so you don't feel shame when you lose it? And if you say yes, and you mean it, and again, I can tell if you mean it, it shifts in that moment. There's an energetic shift, and we're actually rewiring your neural pathways. Now, and again, when that happens, I'm going to yawn or cough in reaction. If I don't yawn and cough, then we're not shifting anything for you at that time. And we'll just, we'll pick a topic and go work on it. Now, if you ever hear me say, ow, it's not that it really hurts. It's that you're in resistance and you're like, don't touch that belief. I need that belief. That belief is sacred. Go away. Even though that belief is what's keeping you stuck. So we'll try and work around it so we can get past it. But some people, I'll say something like, oh, no, 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 we're not changing that. That's that's important. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So what would you like to work on? Let's see. Um, okay. This is, this is a good one. I have a membership. We have a membership product in the business and my goal for the membership is 350 members and okay. we have not gotten anywhere close to that goal. And the growth has been stalled for a while and we can't okay. figure out why. So we can work that. Do you want 350 members? Yes. That's not coming up. <laughs> okay. What would happen if you had 350 members in the group? Um, the group would be as full and as vibrant and as active as I wanted it to be. The group would be um, helping as many people as I would like to help and also that I feel 
I feel coherent around holding a container of that size. Um, I know that like at that size, I will hire more people to help me hold a container of that size. So even though I don't have those people in place right now, like I feel competent about having those people, holding those people. So that feels good to me consciously. And then in terms of revenue generation for the company, that's a number at which I feel really good about that product. So consciously, all of my desires for why I want it are there and feel coherent. Can you trust other people to hold space like you do? No one holds space like I do, but I can trust other people to be good at their jobs. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I do mean that, right? Like, I don't think that I need people to do it like I do. And I don't yeah. even think I need people to be clones of me to hold okay. that space. I think what I'm more, I'm always more interested in team building and in having people on the team who come with their own magic. Yeah. Like no one on my team currently does what I do, but they also don't do what each other does. We have like individual okay. leaders. Okay. So, okay. So there's a couple of things coming. There's control energy in that. <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you hold that space for 350 people? I think so. I don't feel any, there's nothing in me that feels nervous about it or feels like it would be outside of my ability to hold it. Would it be a lot of work? No. That's not coming up true. Yeah, we have, I mean, we have systems in place that I believe are set up to hold that. Energetically, would it be a lot of work? My answer is still no. And obviously I've never done it before. So okay. I don't know if there's a part of me that's like, I won't know until I get there. But what I feel is that even if it was, I would trust myself to resource myself to be able to navigate it. Even if it was like, I need more help. Like, you know, like I don't feel any, yep. there's no part of me that feels wobbly around, could I do it? I didn't ask you if you could do it. I asked you if it would be a lot of work. I don't feel like it would be, no. I mean, not not in a way that feels negative, no. Okay, that's not actually coming up true. Okay. Okay. So are you willing to step out of the story that 350 people would be too much work? Yeah, because I don't feel it. Ooh. All right, something happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, your subconscious is going to trick you. It's like, ah, that's not the problem. That's not the problem. Here's a question that just came up to me as we got there. And maybe you can tell in my energy. Is it that I think that having 350 people would be too much work or that getting them would be too much work? So truth, would getting 200, 350 people be too much work? It doesn't feel like quote unquote too much work, but it does feel like a lot of work. And I do feel that the the beginning of the grind of the story of, well, we've been working this hard on it for this long and it's not working. Yeah. Like, so I feel that there more than I feel anything around if they were here, could I host this party? That okay. feels fine. But I do feel the potential of, oh my gosh, it's gonna be so much work to like bridge the gap. Okay. So are you trying to avoid all that work? No. That's not coming up true. 
So and the irony is you're trying to fill the, the group. Part of you is trying to avoid the work, but it's just causing you more work as you're trying to avoid the work mm. because you're still trying to put people in the group. Are you willing to step out of the story that you have to avoid the work of getting 350 people? Yes. <laughs> and it's funny because it's actually very common that in order to avoid big overwhelm, we create little amounts of overwhelm. And we just go through it for long periods of time. But when you add up all those little amounts, they end up being bigger than the overwhelm you're trying to avoid. And you still haven't actually accomplished anything. So. Right. Okay. Hey, entrepreneur. I don't care what stage of business you're in. If you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. We need people. We need people in our corner. We need outside eyes. We need someone to go to. We need that in case of emergency break glass person that we can call when we're stuck or frustrated or overwhelmed, when we aren't sure what move to make, or when we just want to celebrate our accomplishments. We need the right people on our team. No one who has ever built a big, successful business does it alone. You should not be trying to do it all alone. You need people in your corner because owning and running a business might be one of the hardest things you ever do. And most people in your life simply won't be able to relate or guide you if they've never done what you're trying to do. Ideally, I'd like to see you in one-on-one coaching so that I can really be a partner to you behind the scenes in the day-to-day of your business and walk alongside you through every season, every stage, even into the nitty-gritty details. But if you're not ready for that, at the very least, I want you to get into the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven. Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven is the number one resource you need for success as a heart-centered creative entrepreneur. There is truly nothing else like it on the market. It's a hybrid of courses, group coaching, a mastermind, and a brilliant supportive community all in one. Joining the Coven will connect you to teaching and tools designed to guide you through every single step of building and scaling your business to six figures. No more questioning what to do all by yourself. No more buying random one-off courses on different topics and trying to patchwork it all together. Every single topic you need is covered. We're talking from legal structure to contracts, to branding, to marketing, to product development, launching, you name it, it's in here. Can you imagine never having to buy another course again because you've already got it all under one roof and if you need something, you can just search it and find it? That alone is worth the investment. But you also get access to bi-weekly, high-impact, live group coaching sessions with me, ongoing workshops with guest experts, and our private Facebook group so that you can stop doing business alone. And you should. An Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven is one amazing way that you can do that. Go to intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash coven, C-O-V-E-N, to join today. And as a special thank you for being a listener to the pod, simply enter the code podcast on any checkout page for 11% off your first three months of membership at any level. That's intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash coven and enter the code podcast at checkout. I can't wait to help you grow your business so that you can make a bigger impact, 
help more people share your gifts with a larger audience and make the money you deserve to be making for your gifts, skills, and talents. But most of all, I want to see you so confident and so self-assured that you are just as talented at running a business as you are at the thing you do. And that is within reach when you join the coven. So I can't wait to see you inside. Let's get back to the show. Are you allowed to screw up in that bigger group? Yes. Okay, that actually came up true. I'm <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, like I'll cry on the internet. No, my people see me mess up. I'm very comfortable with that. I'm a dancer, okay. so I'm like, I've had clothes fall off on stage. I've had someone pull the fire alarm on stage. I've had the DJ play the wrong song. I have broken a bone on stage. All of any kind of nervousness I have about making mistakes in public got cleared in years of being on stage. Okay, cool. Does everyone have to have results? No. That's not coming up true. Mm. Okay. So if you need everyone to have results, you're going to make sure you carefully pick each one unconsciously to make sure they're going to get results. And that means a slow, tedious process of putting those people in to get to 350. You have to remember that some people aren't because that's just their story and they'll eventually drop out of the group and they can get replaced. Some people are going to have huge results and some people are going to have moderate results. And if you're not willing to have the whole spectrum, you'll stop the process. Yeah, I don't feel any resistance to that because in our small group, there are already people who pay the mem monthly membership and never come to anything. And I have, I feel very resolved around the fact that it's the same as a gym membership, right? Like yep. people, people buy a gym membership based on thinking they will go to the gym and then they keep it thinking this month is my month. And if they want to keep paying for it every month, they can. Like, I don't, I don't feel here's like I'm letting people down. No, but here's the thing. You're not letting them down, but your energy just went to, I feel bad for them. Mm. And if you go to 350 people, that's a lot more people you will feel bad for. Mm -hmm. Even though there's, there's no guilt that you're not delivering, you know, you're delivering, but you still feel bad for them. And the more that grows, the more resistance you go into. Mm. So are you willing to step out of the story that you need everyone to get results? Yes. <laughs> are you willing to step out of the story that you need everyone to participate? Yes. <laughs> now, are you willing to step out of the story that you need to feel bad for the people that are paying and not doing anything? Yes. There we go. You're good. You just let things go. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if I don't, I don't consciously feel I have any attachment to those things. So I'm like, absolutely. If that's what needs to go, let it go. <laughs> okay. How does that feel? Better, worse, same, or different? I think it feels the same. I don't think I had considered that those blocks were there because, like I said, like on a conscious level, I don't think those things. Um yeah. So I have, yeah, in general, I have very little resistance to the idea of letting any of those things go. Okay. Because when, when you were talking about the people with the gym membership and you're like, well, they just don't pay, your energy just dropped. Like, I was just like, oh, there is definitely something there. 
Mm. I'm, I'm happy. It was just feeling bad for them and not feeling guilty because that's where most people go. I have they have to get results, or I feel like crap and I feel guilty. You're just like there's this place of compassion. I mean, you're paying. You should get results. You should. You should. Get so, and I think, and and this is again, this is on my conscious level. Um, I don't feel any attachment to you should get results because you're paying. Okay. Because that's not how money works, right? Like I have, I know so many people, you can't see it because my background's blurred. I have a Peloton. I know so many people have a Peloton who just use it as a clothes hanger, right? Like we buy things thinking that just buying it is going to give us the result. That's not, I have no confusion that that's not how that works. And like, I, I actively dissuade people from paying me if they think that just paying me is going to solve their problems. Cause I'm like, you'll be, you'll be disappointed because I'm not going to do that. Um, I think when I feel sad when people don't get results, I think it's more, for me, about how, like, especially with, with my clients, like I work with artists and creatives and spiritual practitioners, the feeling of looking at someone who's so talented and has every possible resource to get their work out into the world and then is still not taking advantage of those resources. I think that makes me sad, but not in a way that I feel responsible for or I feel is connected to my work. Yeah, but that's that's exactly what I was saying. It's like you're not putting it on you, but you're still making yourself feel sad. Mm-hmm. And if your group grows, that's more potential to feel sad. So mm-hmm. that's the resistance I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you see, I mean, if you go visit a friend and they've got the Peloton and it's just clothes all over, you're like, oh man, you spent so much money on that. And it's just sitting there. There's that that feeling. When you shift and you're like, oh, it's using his clothes, well, that's that's amusing. And you just you go to the place of amusement rather than sadness, the resistance goes away. Mm-hmm. I got. I had someone that paid in full for my year-long program has never shown up, and I've sent a couple emails, texts. And I'm like, "Are you going to come?" Don't didn't reply to me, and I, I know they must have got the text, even if the emails might have gone to spam or something. Did, didn't reply. I'm just going to give you thousands of dollars and just not show up. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, well, if that's what you want. That's what you want. Yeah. But I but I didn't go to. Oh, I feel sad because you have this all available and it can really change your life. It's just like, that's, that's where they are right now. Yeah. So I've done what I could and now I just let it rest. Okay. So are you willing to step out of the story that you should feel sad for people that aren't stepping into their full potential? Yes. And that's a big thing for heart-centered people. When you see what's in that person, you're like, oh my God, you could be rocking it. It's hard to get to a place of, well, okay, they're not deciding not to rock it. You you want to get in there and do something to cause a shift. And it's like, well, that's good. It shows you're a very compassionate person. I'm pretty great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that does not resonate as true. <laughs> And that actually comes up true. <laughs> but, 
Okay, so what now? So what, I mean, that, that was the, the, the core thing there. We just have to check in on that. Um, so let's just check. Is it okay to have 350 people in your group? Yes. That's more yes than no. There's still something in there. What's the worst thing that could happen if you have 350 people in your group? I don't, I'm not consciously aware of any negative consequences of this. Okay. Because there's a certain energy and, and it feels more like it has to do with the people you have to bring in for this than the people that are in the group. Will you be able to find the right people to manage the group? Yes. That's not going to be true. So there is where it's going. And this could be, could be just a really simple thing. Are you willing to step out of the story that you won't be able to find those right people for your group? Yes. Oh, no, it didn't move. It started to push back. Okay. Have you ever had problems with staff before that you had to let them go? Yes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay. Are you trying to make sure that kind of situation never happens again? Yes. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay. You're going to function in one of two directions. Try not to make something happen or try to make something happen. You can't do both at the same time. So when you're trying not to make, make that situation happen again, the easiest solution is to make sure nothing happens again. Because if nothing happens, you can't have that situation again. So if you don't grow your group, there's no chance of you having to bring people on and then have it mess up and you have to fire them or whatever that incident was. When you let go of trying to make sure that doesn't happen and just go into, I'm going to make this happen, it doesn't mean that automatically happens. It just means all that energy comes out of the stopping and it goes into the moving forward. So are you willing to step out of the story that you have to make sure that situation never happens again? Yes. Look at you smiling now. I was smiling because I was thinking about people watching this. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a really interesting thing to watch on YouTube and strange to listen to audio only. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're listening audio only, we're glad you're here. And thank you for being along for the ride. And go watch it on YouTube so that you can see what it looks like. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting case. But it's like an example for some people that are not quite getting it because I can feel it's out there. Imagine you're a, a little boy or little girl and you're standing by a wall and it was unstable and the wall collapses on you. And you end up going to the hospital. It's traumatic. And now you're growing up and whenever you go into a room, you go and you push against the wall to make sure it doesn't actually fall on you. And people are like, well, what are you doing? And so I have to make sure the wall doesn't fall. And it's like, but it's not going to. Like, no, it did. I have evidence of it. I was in the hospital. And so you keep pushing against these walls. And when you stop that and just be in the room, it doesn't mean all the walls automatically fall. It's just, now you can just be. But so many people out there are pushing against their own private walls all the time and not getting results. I love it. Okay. Hey, how are you feeling? I feel good. Ooh. What now? Is it okay to get 350 people in the group? 
Yeah. It's almost the earth. There's one little piece <laughs> left. I love it. I like stumping you. I'm like, just have a yeah. little delighted. Well, it's, it's <laughs> funny because uh, you're you're pretty powerful. So your energy is trying to block my intuition as to go exactly to where we're supposed to go. Stop it. <laughs> it's cool. uh, and I, and I, I, it's amusing me too, because usually I'm just like, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. And I'm like, damn, she's good at blocking. I'm not trying <laughs> like, to. I swear I'm not trying to. Oh, I know you're not trying to. Uh, okay. What if you get it and you lose it? How would you feel? Sad. Okay. So is it better to not have it than to have it and lose it? No. Not coming up true. Hmm. Are you willing to step out of the story that it's better not to have it than to get it and possibly lose it? Yes. Yeah, there was some energy. Okay. Is it okay to have 350 people in the group? Yes. That felt a lot better. Oh, okay, good. Okay. How are you feeling? I feel great. If there's 350 people watching this, go sign up for (laughs) (laughs) You heard the man, I'm cured. No, this is fun. So I can I ask you questions or wait, am I done? Am I? Yeah, we're done. Go ahead. Wait, first question is, are there follow up things I need to do? Are there things I need to do to like integrate this? Do I need to drink a lot of water? Like what what up now? What's up? What up, doc? Okay, so when you do a lot of energy work, you tend to burn sugar, salt and water. Uh, Most a lot, you're definitely gonna need to hydrate. Uh, If you get a sugar or salt craving, just give into it. That's the energy you process. Will this stick? Maybe. I want you to think of it like, you ever play Jenga? Yeah. Okay, so you have a Jenga tower that's holding in this belief that I shouldn't have 350 people in the group. We have no idea how many blocks are in this Jenga tower. And we've just pulled out a bunch of blocks. Did we pull out enough blocks to make tower fall and get you out of the addiction? (laughs) We may have, in which case things will shift. Did we pull out enough to cause a shift? We may have. You may start to see all these people show up. But if you don't topple the tower, you'll eventually put the blocks back in and end up back where you started. This is what happens with a lot of people. You go to a retreat, you go through a course, you start to see results. You're like, oh, my life is changing. And then you lose it after a few weeks or a few months. That's because you didn't continue to do the work and you put more blocks back at the Jenga tower and made it nice and solid and feel good again because that's where the addiction is. So... When things start to shift, you want to lock in. Oh, that's my new reality. And the and you've just done this kind of work. The, the sooner you lock that in, that that's how that's how life is right now. The more it will stick. The people in my program, I have a program called Million Dollar Impact Makers, and whenever people have a win, there's a celebration. But then we always say because that's how you roll. Because we're we're normalizing the success every time it happens so that people are like, well, that's just how I roll. And as a result, people just start having more and more successes over and over and over because that's how they roll. I love it. Okay. So my questions for you are, because I like, 
I love magical people and I love people who are really in touch with their magic and I love that everyone's magic feels different to them. So what does it feel like for you when you're doing that work with someone? Like, what does it feel like in your body as like, you know, this, like this is coming up as true or not true. What does that feel like for you? Most of the time it's like a heaviness or a lightness coming off you. And, but for me, I made a decision long ago let the information show up however it wants to show up. So when I'm working with you, it could be that I feel a heaviness or lightness, or it could be that I get an image and hey kitty, and <laughs> have to, and um, I have to work through what that image is like. So one time, I was I was working with this woman, and I kept seeing a suitcase come into my my mind, and like that's interesting. And we kept talking, and I couldn't put the suitcase together with what we were talking about, but it kept popping up into my mind. So eventually I wanted to say, does a suitcase mean anything to you? But what came out of my mouth was, who are you putting in your suitcase and taking with you wherever you go? And she just looks at me and she's like, oh, my roommate. And I'm like, that made sense to you? And she goes, yeah, my roommate's always giving me travel advice. So I actually say, I'm taking her with me in my suitcase. I've said that. And I'm like, oh. So it just that information just got channeled that that's what we had to do because she had some stuff she needed to clear with her roommate. And that's what took us like that roommate hadn't come up in the conversation at all, but the, the connection to source just told me, you need to talk about this. And that's how they chose to present it. Mm. Sometimes I will smell, sometimes I will taste. I'm like, it just shows up in different ways. Sometimes I'll actually see, and I'll be like, you've been having problems with your liver? And I'm like, how could you possibly know that? I'm like, because it's glowing. <laughs> so. That's what I was going to ask, I was, you know, because it sounded like with the suitcase example that it's like a, a clairvoyant or clairaudient thing, but you have a little bit of all of them. Yeah, because we're all receiving all these different ways. And when you just say, you know, give it to me however you want to give it to me, then the information comes in in multiple ways. It comes in easier. It comes in clearer. But when you when you have a preconceived notion of this is what it's supposed to look like. And this is the only way I can receive it. You're cutting off possibilities. Mm. Yeah. I love that. When did you start noticing that you had this ability to, to sense these things in people? Everyone has it. Yeah. This is all trained. You start I noticing it in yourself. Eight years old. Okay. My my father took us to this thing called uh, Silva Mind Control, which freaked me out. I go, mind control? He goes, no, to control your own mind. They need a different word, Dad. Like, that's just, that's scary. And I think it's called the Silva Method now because apparently other people complained about that. <laughs> and we did all this stuff during the weekend to learn to focus and concentrate, improve our memories, and all these things that are just practical um, that made sense, right, from a, from someone that's not into woo. Let me put it that way. But the last exercise we did was you got a partner, and I'm eight, so I had this really old guy. He was 40. And, uh, Ouch. <laughs> and now I'm like, yeah, that's that's not old. <laughs> but but they, te they paired me up with this guy. And the exercise was for the one person to imagine someone and the other person to lock into who they're imagining and find out what's wrong with them. So they have to choose someone that had a physical issue or uh, or something that that could be dealt with. So he was imagining his sister. He said, I'm going to imagine my sister. So I'm imagining a sister. And, and I created like this mental temple where I would do all my work. And so I imagined her showing up in my temple. 
And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking like, because they said something's wrong, I'm looking for a broken arm or whatever. And I said, I don't see anything wrong with this woman. And I'm just playing along because an eight-year-old kid is playing this game. And so then the instructor said, well, then take her head off her body and put it on your head so you can get inside her head and see what's going on in internally. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's weird, but okay. And I took her head off and I put it on me and immediately I started having problems breathing. And they're like, are you okay? And it's like, I can't get air in. It's like, a, I have asthma. And he goes, that's it. She's got asthma. <laughs> like, I'm just like, what's going on right now? But that was my first taste of it. Wow. Yeah. How beautiful that you had a family that was open to you having these kinds of experiences and encouraging that in you. Oh, it was my dad was constantly searching for something. He knew there was something bigger. And he took us on all these different things. Silver mind control, uh, Native Native American, uh, I don't know what you call it, experiences, uh, meditation things. We just go, and I guess, you know, we're young. We just have to go with it, whether we wanted to or not. <laughs> but uh, he eventually met this guy, Swami Rama, who was very powerful, um, yogi master and uh and he actually uh, swami rama built a hospital in india for all the people that couldn't afford to go to the regular hospitals he's a really amazing guy and that's when my father just found all spirituality and meditation and uh and he lived by that uh, till he died wow. yeah what an awesome experience i feel like so many of the people that i work with either a you know that's the entire world of woo or even just like their gifts are not encouraged in their upbringing and right. then also i end up working with a lot of people who have outright religious trauma from growing up in some type of like really restrictive type cult like usually yeah. like christian cult like environments and so i'm always so happy and grateful to meet people who feel like from a really young age their gifts were encouraged yeah I think it's also really important, anybody listening who needs expanders on that, I just think it's really important for people to meet people who had that experience and know that that exists in the world, especially if that wasn't their upbringing. They're like, that's the thing. There are parents who are open and supportive and like let their kids be magical. Yep. And it's great. And it's, it's funny because you talk about Christians. I have several uh, Christian clients and the the dogma that gets put into them it is it can, it can be so crippling and what it amuses me is i i eventually said okay i gotta read the bible because what's happening with these people and i'm reading the bible i'm going this is fantastic the stuff jesus says is amazing why are you not and i said stop listening to christians and start listening to jesus because jesus got it right? yeah he's he's talking abundance he's talking wealth he's talking he's talking possibility and i'm like he's amazing yeah. <laughs> so, jesus was cool Jesus was very cool. Also, like all those missing years where he was like partying and hanging out with monks. And yeah. <laughs> all those missing years in the Bible, he was cutting up. <laughs> where was he from childhood to 33, guys? 33, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I, I love quoting back Jesus to them when they're talking about struggle or or playing small. And I'm like, but Jesus said this. But Jesus said this. I'm like, are you, you going to argue with Jesus or what? where are we going here? <laughs> argue with Jesus, not with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a whole separate 
that's a whole separate show and a whole separate conversation where really I would be out of my depth as a non-Christian. But I do know that for a lot of people, uh, the dogma that they have been indoctrinated into, they don't even realize isn't biblical and is just from their particular church or sect or, you know, the the elders in their faith versus like what's actually in that book. So, um, you know. As a religious text, I enjoy it. I also enjoyed the Bhagavad Gita. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you're the kind of too, person yes. who just who just goes out and reads religious texts, it's a great yeah. one. It's a fun book. Yeah. Also, like, it's a drama. There, I know. Like a lot of pillaging. A lot of pillaging. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm enjoying this. I'm, I I want to go through as as many different religious texts as I can, and just taking that because it's what's funny is they all started from the same truth and and then they just branched out and now you've got this interpretation this interpretation one of the funniest things i've ever seen was um someone said i think god is a woman and as and she knows the truth and she's had relationships with these different people muhammad moses uh, jesus and they they learned what she learned but they didn't quite get it and so they're trying to teach it from their viewpoint. So all religion is, is mansplaining. I was about to say, they're just <laughs> mansplaining God. That actually tracks. That sounds really right. <laughs> I like, yeah, no, that, that, that tracks. That tracks with the history of the world as we know <laughs> after a certain point. <laughs> um, this is so lovely. I feel like I could talk to you forever. So where can people find you? Where where are you working? What are you doing? What do you want to plug right now? What do you got going on? So I, uh, my website is energeticmagic.com. And uh, I work, I, same way you sort of filter out the people. I'm looking to work with people that have decided they need more in their lives. They, they want better, they want more happiness, they want more success and have a greater impact in the world. And those are the people I let into my programs. If I figure you're coming into the program so I can save you, you're not coming into my program. <laughs> that's, that's a hard rule because everyone in the program now is about empowerment. They're all supporting each other. And just, I, I had a meeting last night with the people in my group and several people are just like, I love this group so much. Every, I, I can pour my heart out to this group and everyone fully supports me, even if I say the craziest things. And that's what I love. That's the people I want to work with. And yeah, and I work with them on different levels. There's the general level, which we call monthly magic, where you're getting a dose of magic every month up to my program. I talked about the million dollar impact makers. And that's for women coaches that are around six figures, but going through yo-yo income every month. And they just want that to stop. We get you stabilized and get you to seven figures in two years or less. Love that. Uh, and people can find that all at energeticmagic.com. All at energeticmagic.com. Yeah. And they can find your book. Plug the book again. The book is How to Rewrite Reality. And it teaches you exactly that. It teaches you to stop being a, a tertiary character in your story, uh, bump yourself up to the primary, and then make yourself the author. So you can rewrite whatever you want in your story. You just don't have to go along with what life throws at you. You can change it. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. This was lovely. I had so much fun. Thank you, Sarah. Bye. <laughs>
That's our episode for today. Thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at intuitiveedgecoaching. Have a great day.